Good morning, listeners. Welcome back to the Under the Scope podcast where we discuss music. I'm your host, Will Brost, and calling in is Patrick Anderson. How are you doing this morning, Patrick? It's a good morning today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. A uh, lot that's going good. on in the world, in the country. So uh, that's, yeah. you know, keeping me down. But uh, we're going to try to uh, do this podcast anyway because uh, we love doing this. Um, and uh, we've been excited to talk about the records that we're talking about today. Yeah. Um, yeah. So once again, we have four records that we want to talk about over the next 90 minutes or so. Uh, they are, in no particular order, the latest records from Charlie XCX, Moses Sumney, Perfume Genius, and Haley Williams. Patrick, where do you want to begin? I want to begin with Haley Williams first. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't see about a shock there. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I didn't realize. Uh, uh, I didn't expect you to go there first. Usually, I, I anticipate you saying something like, uh, "We'll go in chronological order," or "Oh, we'll go yeah. in order alphabetically." <laughs> but this is just straight up. Now, nah, let's start with Haley Williams. Um, well, the the reason being is just because, like, I never thought that I would actually talk about a mm. Paramore or Haley Williams album. So, um, I'm, it, uh, yeah, I'm I'm ready to talk about sure. Her. Yeah, this was uh this was a suggestion by you. Um so I am excited to hear what you have to say about this. Um Haley Williams, Pedals for Armor is the name of her debut, her solo debut record. Uh she's mm-hmm. a singer-songwriter as you alluded to, best known for her work as the front woman of the band Paramore. Um so while this is a solo debut album, it was released as three separate EPs um, spaced apart over the past few months, uh, which is kind of an interesting release and not the only album we're talking about today with a structured mm-hmm. release schedule. Um, so uh, Pedals for Armor has an 84 out of 100 on Metacritic. I enjoyed Paramore back in the day. Um, I'm not ashamed to admit that, but I wasn't super into them. Uh, we both enjoyed her appearance on the American football record last year mm-hmm. quite a bit. One of our favorite songs of the year, collectively, uh, Uncomfortably Numb. Uh, what did you think about this uh, solo venture that she took? Well, it was better than I expected, but not amazing. Mm. Um, it's a solid, like kind of edgier pop record um and her songwriting is pretty good throughout um, which i kind of expected excellent songwriter um and i like her vocal delivery too but um the problem i have with this record is that like since it is like a three disc kind of separation because it's structured in like this way of like you're supposed to make some sort of distinct um, distinction between disc one, disc two, disc three, I guess, in sound mm. um, and in structure. I mean, I don't really see that other than the fact that 
you know, my Apple Music separates it that way. So it may as well not be there. That's kind of an issue. Um, and I think it's a little bit, it, I think it thinks that it's more replayable than it actually is. Mm. Mm. Um, but I, I mean, like, honestly, like, I haven't really been a Paramore fan in the past. Um, I was really surprised with how, you know, great her feature was on the American football record. And I'm, I, I think I was like more, I was excited to talk about this just from the fact that it's been getting so much buzz and I never expected Haley Williams to get that much buzz outside of her, you know, really strong fan base. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, yeah. I, I think I'm in a similar boat. Um, I was uh, surprised that this was her solo debut. I, I just kind of assumed she had a solo record out by now, honestly. Yeah, same here. Um, but I, I agree with two things that you said, and I think they're great points. One, uh, the triple EP structure, I, I'm not sure why, other than just that's how she wanted mm -hmm. to release it. There isn't. This isn't like Milo's uh, Things That Happen at Day, Things That Happen at Night, dual EP, where there's a clear sonic distinction between the two. To me, this was right. just, here's five songs, here's another five songs, etc. Um, so the other thing you mentioned that I is essentially a summary of what I have to say. Um, I forget how you phrased it, but something like, this record thinks it's more replayable than it actually is. Exactly, yeah. To me, this is... This is such an okay, all right pop album uh, for me personally. Yeah. Um, there's nothing particularly amazing on this record for me, but also no, nothing just outright terrible either. Um, the choruses on the record, I think, are pretty consistently catchy, uh, but I, the verses I find pretty forgettable, um, and the the structure of the songs overall. And I guess often the songs themselves uh, can feel a little bit bland or generic or derivative or what have you. Um, so that's, that's kind of my main complaint. It sounds fine uh, as a whole, but uh, I don't know. It, it kind of falls by the wayside. Yeah. I, I, I think that it's, it's a pretty ambitious pop album. <laughs> I, like, it's you know what I mean by that? Like it's like it feels like it's reaching a little bit further than just your standard um, you know, and then your standard record label pop album mm -hmm. tries to. She's got some sense of individuality to it that makes it feel like, okay, we're reaching for some sort of like uh, clear distinction outside of the regular pop sphere. Mm -hmm. But um, and I think structurally, it doesn't do much, like, to complement that ambition. Like, there's all there's a repetitive, um, there's a, a real repetition in the instrumentation. The vocals even can be very repetitive, and even like the choruses sometimes. Like, there's almost like all, like on every other track, there's like this like instrumental break and kind of like dance between mm -hmm. the vocals and the instrumentation where like the instrumentation will cut out Haley Williams will say like the titular titular line to this track and then it'll come back in and it does that like on like 
five or six tracks throughout the record and I'm, like by the end of that i'm like i'm kind of tired of the shtick mm. um like simmer starts it off whenever she she does her like simmer down like and it's pretty cool it's like oh that's 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 pretty cool but then she does it again like 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 two tracks later and then again another two tracks later and by the end of it you're like all right like what was going on in the studio did you just crank out five of these in the same <laughs> session like <laughs> No, that's that's a good point. Um, so, yeah, I think that it, it could have just done without the. It could have it could have just been honestly like the first part of it is pretty solid. It could have just been an EP hmm. because I think she gets out all of the experimentation and uh, fun that she wanted to convey really in just in the first part and then after that it's kind of just like rehashing the same ideas and there's some interesting stuff here and there but yeah overall it's kind of like it's it's okay it's just not not great yeah i i agree i think this is um formulaic in a sense she kind of sticks to her strategy throughout the record yeah and i agree that um i don't know if you said this explicitly but a lot of my favorite records or songs on this record are toward the beginning um because i guess by the end either either the song quality goes down or like you mentioned she kind of gets the bulk of her ideas out of the way um so i'll take a song right. like cinnamon which i like but i understand that's a perhaps a polarizing song um i really yeah, like you yeah, <laughs> I I do like the like oohs and ah like the ooh ah like I like that. Um, I like the instrumentation <laughs> kicking in. Uh, I think it's genuinely kind of weird, but I, I'm going back to this derivative point. I don't think this record is derivative of, or this song is derivative of like mainstream radio pop. But to me, this sounds like a Saint Vincent Mass Deduction era song. Yeah. Um and I'm yeah. getting like different like on a maybe on a separate song I'm getting a different influence. Uh, so like the influence that I'm getting from song to song is a bit different. Um but I think the influences are a little too much on the sleeves here. Yeah. Yeah, there there's been a lot of like Radiohead comparison. Mm. Um yeah, like you said St. Vincent. Um and I agree. I think that she definitely you can see the influences kind of like pretty forward on a lot of tracks on here um which not <clears throat> isn't necessarily a bad thing i i don't really have too much of a problem with pulling like direct influence but yeah it, it, there is like there it, there is a loss of individuality whenever you start to do that and when you do it over and over and over again it starts to be like uh like mm. um, and i think that that's really where this suffers from because like let's say cinnamon was um the only track that sounded like a saint vincent cut mm -hmm. then it'd be like all right cool but then there's like a, you know right. like you go through a, the track list and you can you can pinpoint like uh, elements of, especially St. Vincent's a good, um, good artist to kind of tie in the influence mm -hmm. here. You, there's a bunch of like instances all over this that you can find that. So you start to be like, okay, well, it's not as original as I had thought at first. Um, but one thing I will say like positively is that mm -hmm. like 
Haley Williams' vocals and yes. delivery and her uh, it, it, lyricism is very original and very distinct. And I think that's like kind of the saving grace for this album. And, and she, and she sounds like, good. Almost, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds good. It sounds professional, you know, and all of that. Right. Um, so, yeah, I kind of cut you off, but yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, it kind of puts me on board with Haley Williams, which is uh, surprising for me. Um, but like, I'm excited to see going forward what she can do because I think like performance wise, it's pretty excellent. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think that the structure of the tracks and, uh, like the choices and in instrumentation and overall just kind of like the aesthetics of it are kind of bland, um, and a little overblown, but like, I can't really complain too much about her performances on here. And that's what kind of excites me. I think if she gets with the right producers or kind of maybe even takes things a little more into her own hands, things could really, I don't know, it could be really interesting. Mm -hmm. And and I just, I appreciate that she's exploring a style that is pretty different from her peak Paramore mm-hmm. stuff. I, I think that's great and, and should be celebrated. Um, and there are songs on here I find genuinely fun and songs I'll continue to listen to throughout the year. Um, like Sudden Desire and Dead Horse, I think is a solid back-to-back combo mm-hmm. on this record, uh, just for one example. And I like the, uh, I forget the name of the flowers, but it's like four flowers. I think it's like Roses, Violet. Oh, yeah. Um, but Roses, I, Lotus, Violet, Iris. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like the message of that song. I like the Boy Genius feature on that song. Um, so there are mm-hmm. songs here and there that, that I enjoy. But I think we both agree this didn't need to be 15 songs, 55 minutes, or whatever it was. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, it, there's, a, there's a lot of... There's an excellent EP amount of content on here. <laughs> In a triple EP, there is one EP's worth of, uh, <laughs> of very good content. Which kind of makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. if you put out three EPs, then you're bound to get like some content that would make up at least one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, one of the unfortunate things about this record is it's, in a way, it's the worst kind of record for music review, at least from my end, um, because it's not even, it's so middle of the road for me and honestly, mostly uninteresting that I don't have a ton to say here. Um, is there anything else Mm -hmm. you wanted to get to before we give out our scores on this one? Yeah, not really. Yeah. Like you said, it's, there's no like clear standout of like, Oh my gosh, these tracks suck or this Mm -hmm. track's amazing. Um, cause even like some of my favorite tracks on here, like Rose's Lotus Violet Iris is yes, that. probably one of my favorites. Um, but even then it's not like an amazing song. It's just pretty solid. Um, mm-hmm. and it stands out in the kind of the mix of like just okay stuff. <laughs> so yeah, I agree. It's a, this one's a little harder to give like a, a, a thoughtful in-depth, uh, deconstruction of it because mm-hmm. not really that much to say yeah i i agree <laughs> um so i'm just going to go ahead and throw my five out of ten out there okay um i'll say i i was impressed um overall i mean 
I'm not feeling like super positive about it, but I, I, I think I was impressed overall just cause like I haven't really cared for much of Haley Williams stuff in the past. And I think that the last year with that feature and now with this, I'm, I'm on board. I, I think mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to whatever she puts out in the next or in the future. Um, but this one's okay. I, I think it's, it's a solid, um, effort i mean it's kind of it's kind of boring but i think that it's better than i thought it was going to be so in with that i'm going to give it a six out of ten just because i was uh i'm i'm more pleased than i expected i would be which sounds bad but (laughs) no i mean it's i'm glad i listened to this record i'm glad i checked it out because yeah yeah same here uh, right like i have been a fan of hers in the past um this has been getting good reviews I'm interested anytime an artist goes solo after being so defined by a band. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, ultimately, I think we're generally in the same boat, if only slightly different. Uh, so that's a five and a half out of 10 average from us. Um, Haley Williams pedals for armor. Uh, where did you want to go next? Um, let's move on to a different pop record which we're talking a lot about pop records today. one could argue these are all <laughs> pop records in some extent <laughs> yeah 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 that doesn't really answer that um well let's talk about the perfume genius album Ooh, very nice very nice um let's see so perfume genius the album is set my heart on fire immediately um my cadrius the boy, better known as Perfume Genius, is, and uh, you want to talk about pop, indie pop, <laughs> chamber pop, art pop, baroque pop. He just throw out all the any all, all the, the adjectives. <laughs> right, it's it's not like mainstream radio pop or experimental pop or anything that we'll be talking yeah. about later. But every other pop, Perfume Genius is a part of that. Um, so set my heart on fire immediately is his fifth album his first album since 2017's no shape which i named my album of the year that year um Mm -hmm. love it still love it every record of his has at least an 80 out of of 100 on metacritic um he has a reputation in the uh, fan community the indie community of uh, consistently creating great works um that all said set my heart on fire immediately is his best reviewed album yet uh, with a Metacritic of 92 out of 100. Uh, Patrick, what are your thoughts? Are you that high? Um, just enjoy it, but not to that degree. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm not quite that high, but I really enjoy this album. Mm. Um, I mean, 92 is super high, so it's not like, you know, <laughs> me not being that high is a bad thing. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just another really solid project. Like, I, I mean, No Shape was my introduction to Perfume Genius. After that, I kind of went back and started listening to a little more. Um, and this one feels similar um, in a way, but it's it, it, it feels similar to No Shape in, like, the huge, just grand instrumentation um, at certain points. But it also scales back a lot and, and is uh, very personal and kind of like uh experimental in that way 
Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't call it like too experimental as far as pop music goes. But yeah, I mean, it's very interesting. This record is. Um, I've I've really been liking it. I think I think it's. I mean, it's hard to tell now because I re- I still like No Shape quite a bit, but I think this might be my favorite one from him so far. Ooh, um, nice. And I, I've been seeing that a lot too. Um, I'll just mm-hmm. go ahead and say right off the bat, uh, No Shape is still. I don't know if anything's going to touch No Shape for the rest of his career, but that's just how high of a standard he set with that. Um, yeah, I do enjoy this album quite a bit, though. Uh, it is probably, you know, and half of this is I've only listened to so much Perfume Genius, but so I'm kind of regurgitating a little bit of general consensus here. But this is generally seen as maybe his most emotional record and his most mature record yet. Yeah, um, maybe kind of I've seen something like his most fully realized album yet. Um, I was surprised how much this scaled back, as you mentioned, uh, how much minimalism is on this record, um, which I often enjoy. There's elements of like ambient music here and there, uh, like on the second half yeah. of Describe or a few tracks later on in the track listing, like Moondance. Um, Moondance? Moonbent. Moonbent. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. Moonbent! <laughs> if you just ruin a cover of Moondance. Van Morrison, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. But um, as is likely no surprise to you, it's the songs that kind of have that crystalline, um, larger than life aspect to them. Uh, the ones that remind me of No Shape. Those are the ones I gravitate to toward the most, I believe. Um, such as the opener, Whole Life, which is like this absolutely mm-hmm. gorgeous, serene way to begin any record with these like strings and piano just it's just so delicate and and beautiful as expected um and it's it's just such a warm embrace uh, to begin the record and uh while still having like a ton of um like you said not super experimental but interesting production yeah. quirks here and there uh that keep it distinct and entertaining throughout um yeah, what what were some of your favorite tracks? Because I kind of have a few here that I've highlighted. Yeah, well, I was going to say real quick, too, mm-hmm. one thing that I think is impressive about the structure of this album is that, um, like, he's so good about, like, the style of tracks um, maintaining, like, a, a distinction between them, but, like, there's also a flow that is very natural in between everything. Um, the, the album structure itself is just like pretty great. Like I don't have any Mm -hmm. complaints about like how like, uh, cohesively it fits and, and that is something that I think is really impressive, especially for a pop record. Cause, um, I find like it's easier to do that with experimental music because you can kind of you can kind of forgive a little bit more because it's like, Oh, it's artistic intention or, Mm, mm -hmm. you know, there's a little more forgiveness there, but pop records are really hard to cohesively make a distinct or uh, make the tracks distinct from each other without like, you know, and all the way through. And that's just something that I think perfume genius does so well. Um, And it's it's probably one thing that I think that is, um, 
benefits that is Mark Adrius being able to just kind of use his voice as an instrument mm-hmm. um, because there's elements on the on here uh, or instances on here of him like like your body changes everything of him just kind of like using his voice to like in a lower register and like really shaking it and like and then he'll also like go super high into this really like uh delicate falsetto at points he just goes all over the map with it and i think that that really helps to set things apart that's that's Um, a great point and i want to touch on that real quick because that's how i felt about the song um jason uh which is like this it has this calm instrumental with uh bass and strings and like harpsichord that i really like but i think maybe the most memorable vocal or i guess sonic aspect of that song are his vocals that are so feathery and breathy and so high pitched mm-hmm. that it does kind of i mean the the voice as an instrument thing is it can sound a bit cliche to say but i i think it does add like an extra dimension to that particular track yeah it's this it's this element of uh of dedication to the track you know what i mean like he's he's completely committed to the aesthetic and the sound of one individual track and you can hear it mm-hmm. um and i think that that's that's the artistic value of the you know quote-unquote voice as an instrument thing because mm-hmm. that that is also something that can be overdone too we've seen it plenty of times where people just try to do it too far mm-hmm. and it doesn't work but I think that something he's really good at is just like matching the style that he has a vision for on the track itself. And that's what like that's that's a good use of the voice as an instrument. Um, so, OK, yeah. So favorite tracks that I have, I think, are like I love um, Without You. Yes. Um, I, I think that that's probably the standout track for most people on here. Uh, weirdly pop just straight up pop yeah Um, he describes it as a country song even you know that's um, oh yeah 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 which i don't think is is a country song i think yeah right i think it has like elements to it i guess it has acoustic guitar in there and yeah but right right to call it just a country song is uh, a bit misleading Yeah, I, I, I mean, I feel like if we played it for, you know, any given person in Missouri, and we're like, hey, what do you think of this country song? They'd be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, but in any case, I think that it's uh, instrumentally straight up a pop song, and I really like that. But lyrically, it's like, hmm. um, there's so much emotion and like kind of, really upsetting subject matter here with like the uh his body dysmorphia he's talking mm-hmm. about all the way throughout um and it's it's a very freeing and uh and uh, um intimate track while, while also having this just straight up sunny atmosphere to it um and i like that i like that contrast um but i think that instrumentally it's also just very impressive yeah and i was gonna kind of use that the lyricism to segue into a larger point uh which is that i really enjoy the content on pretty much every song here um so perfume genius uh identifies as queer and and that fits into a lot of the uh the song topics here 
And a couple that stood out for me are um, the aforementioned Jason, uh, which is about a sexual encounter he had with a heterosexual man um, and the kind of Mm -hmm. awkwardness that comes with that. Um, I really liked uh, the lyrical moments on, I think it was, yeah, Just a Touch, uh, which is like this story about a a wartime queer relationship that had to exist in secret. You know, this sort of don't ask, don't tell, sort of I- idealistic whatever in the military. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I find that fascinating as well. The body dysmorphia on, uh, on Without You, like you mentioned. Um, it, so, and I'm kind of dancing around some negatives here, but on every song I, I at least like the the lyrical component to it the the substance to the uh to the content here um i enjoy quite a bit yeah no yeah i i i agree with you on that um i think that i think that he's so good at crafting a story um and it's uh and and the way that he interpolates it with this just lavish instrumentation is really impressive and distinct too mm-hmm. um I will say really quick, like if I have negatives, mm-hmm. um, it's a bit lengthy. I mean, mm-hmm. I I like how distinct everything is, but I think that it could do with like some trimming mm-hmm. here and there instrumentally. Um, some passages are just kind of drawn out a little longer than I think they could be. I think just from a replayability standpoint, it's overall very good. But I think that it's not like um, for a, for a pop record, it's not as uh, like straight up replayable as as you might hope it to be. Right. Um, and it plays like a pop record, so you're kind of expecting that. It's kind of hard to, you know. Because uh, it, it is experimental, and I don't want to fault it for that, but I think that it's just a little bit. Mm, I think that the ambition behind it kind of starts to get a little bit in the way of some of the replayability that I think it wants to convey to. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally, and, and that aligns with some of the negatives I have. Um, I I guess something I I kind of kept coming back to as I played through this record a few times is that it does lose me a little bit in the second half. Um, and I don't know if it's like stylistically, it's getting too minimal for lack of a better word at that point in a lot of these songs or a song like one more try, for example, I find to be redundant in context of the rest of the track list. Um, but by the time we get to the end, I think the record begins to lose some momentum. Um, you know, it, it, so like, I agree. I guess in the sense that the record can use some trimming, and I'm not sure we agree on what needs to be trimmed. But I, I think both of us agree that the record is maybe a little too lengthy for what it's trying to do. Yeah, yeah. I I just think that it's. Um, I think overall it's pretty great. I just think that there's some elements to it that. I think it the 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 grand gestures and the emotional lyricism by the end start losing a little bit of their edge, right? Uh, which right. is not something that I want, um, and, and definitely not something that I think that you know Mark Hadrius was intending because this is pretty 
intimate subject matter all the way throughout. So, yeah, and there um, are these yeah. songs in the second half. They, I feel like they would have a lot more impact because they are powerful in a vacuum. But because I've listened to, you know, ten, yeah. eleven songs prior to that, it, it it doesn't stand out as much as I hope it would. Uh, some of these songs, yeah, in the back half, yeah. Yeah, that 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 is the same way that I that I feel about that, and that's not a negative on the content. It's just a negative on the amount of time spent um, in the rest of the project. Right, and, and um, I guess before we kind of get to our our final thoughts here, I do want to point out a couple more positives. Um, Mike Hadrius doing shoegaze is something I didn't realize I needed in my life, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> The first half of Describe, I love um, Nothing at All, which also has some fuzzy elements, Some Dream, which has like a, a an instrumental transition into shoegazier moments in the second half. Those are some highlights for me. Um, and I would love to see Mike Hadrius do a full-on shoegaze album or like an EP at some point. I would be so in on that. Um, mm-hmm. And it, there are some moments that I find... Uh, you know, I think we've talked a lot about these kind of grand gestures, and uh, I- I've mentioned minimalism quite a bit, but there are songs on here like On the Floor, which is just a straight-up, it's catchy, danceable, funky. It has a lot of like more traditional pop sensibility to it, um, but there are songs on here that they stay within the Mike Hadrius perfume genius aesthetic, but can extend to have a broader reach as well. This isn't just like oh, Perfume Genius is doing something totally unique and it's only for a niche group of music listeners. Um, he does kind of branch out a little bit here and there, and he does so well, in my opinion. Yeah, I yeah, that, those are great points. Um, I'm tr- scrolling through here. Um, I can pretty much go to final thoughts, quick thoughts and rating if, if you... Um, yeah if you want to let's talk yeah let's do it let's talk about it yeah i just you know overall another like immaculate uh ethereal um calm tranquil just a lovely a lovely record uh from perfume genius um a bit different than his prior record that i loved oh so much Uh, but that's okay um it's different in ways that are often very successful um it's just as, and maybe more so, more dramatic and emotional and romantic than anything he's ever put out. Um, I love the content of the songs. It's just, uh, I don't know, there's there's like this intangible quality of the impact doesn't impact me as much as I, I hoped it would. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, and I've, I've delved into some of the reasons throughout the past 15 minutes or so, but... Um, Overall, I'm at, I'm at a seven, a high seven, but a seven. Um, I wish I loved this record, but there's just enough here to keep me from doing so. Mm, yeah. Understandable. Mm. Are you still? Would you say you're still at a at a straight up nine on uh, no shape? Super high nine. Um, spoilers oh, okay. for you, but expect it very high on my uh, albums of the decade list that we're working on. Um, I figured. Yeah, still, so, uh, you know, just a brilliant record. Oh my god, I love it so much. Definitely recommend. Nice. I recommend okay. this as well, but definitely no shape if you haven't. Okay. Yeah, I was I was curious um, how this kind of like, uh, you know, 
was against that one for you because i know you love it so much yes and and last thing i'll say on that uh it was my album of the year back then now it would be number two of uh, 2017 um oh nice yeah so that's kind of a, a tease for the album of the decade list so there you go. I think I know what your number, what your number one would be. I, I'm sure. I'm sure you do. Yeah, I've talked about it enough, um, it, on yeah. and off the podcast. So, anyway, yeah. What did you think about uh, "Set My Heart on Fire" immediately? Oh, also love the album title. Yes, I mean, yes, it's awesome. Absolutely, like, it, it's throwing in the immediately in there because, like, if it was just "Set My Heart on Fire," it'd be like, oh, that's pretty cool. But throwing in the immediately at the end is like awesome like it just adds a sense of like urgency and striking as to mm. it that's that's cool so love that album title i just wanted to mention that absolutely um so yeah i i really like this this album i think that instrumentally it's um just super impressive all the way throughout i love the different choices of ambience and shoegaze like you said straight up pop and i guess country (laughs) (laughs) his words not mine Um, (laughs) yeah right but really just reaching into like a full circle of of a spectrum of genres and music um and instrumentation that he possibly could you can you can feel that all throughout here he's just like reaching into everything large palette of um instrumental moments on this album and i really like that i think it's executed very well i think all the tracks are pretty you know i i don't have any complaints about any of them um it's just like we said i think that by the end it's a little bit repetitive um even as distinct as this tracks can be it's just a, like uh you're you're hearing the same style for quite a while so it gets a little bit um the 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 message doesn't come across as clearly Mm. but like man tracks like describe the opening track whole life jason moon band of moon dance (laughs) no No, moon bend just a touch your body changes everything i mean like they're fantastic Mm -hmm. tracks um and they're all very very different from each other and they but they fit this narrative of this personal narrative that I think Mark Hadrius wanted to convey, just like both, you know, talking about this intimate subject matter within himself, telling these really interesting stories um, and instrumentally just expressing himself um, out in this album. I think that it just conveys this whole spectrum of who he is really, really well. So I am pretty fascinated by this record i really like it a lot i think that you know i do have my negatives but like i i I keep coming back to it and i i think i just like it more and more so i'm at a very solid eight out of ten on this very nice very nice i i I actually thought you were talking up to a nine and then i remembered uh i mentioned it had a 92 metacritic and you're like oh i don't like it that much so um (laughs) well yeah no what if I'm like, oh, it's a nine, but I'm not ninety-two. <laughs> I'm, I'm, an, I'm a nine-point-zero guy. Let's not get carried away. This isn't, yeah. Yeah, no, I couldn't give it that extra point two. <laughs> um. So yeah, for the second consecutive record, you one up to me. 
Um, our average is seven and a half yes. out of ten. I mean, you <laughs> won up in terms of positivity in, in the ranking. I don't know. I, <laughs> I <did laughs> we'll let the listener decide who you know won up in terms of content. I guess I'm not, I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, <laughs> you seem to be more positive than I so far. Um, where did you want to go next? There's only two left. That's true. There is. So this is a hard one. Mm-hmm. Let's go on an album that I think I might be more negative than you on. Mm. Uh, You'd be Charlie surprised. XCX. Yeah. Um, so, yes, Charlie XCX uh, is a British pop singer-songwriter. More pop. Um, is she chamber pop, baroque pop, art pop? No, I wouldn't say so. More experimental pop at this point in her career. Yeah. Um, straight-up experimental. Yeah, Gex core whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want that to be a new genre. <laughs> it, if it were up to me, it would be. I'm going to promote Gex Core as a thing. Um, yeah. So, might as well, yeah. <laughs> sure. If people know what it is, um, I guess if you know what, who Gex are, but sure. Uh, so I'll, I'll keep the rest of this intro short because we just talked about her last fall. Um, mm-hmm. In September, she released her third studio album, Charlie. Uh, I guess it's self-titled. I don't know how you want to call it that, but sure. Um Mm-hmm. I love Charlie. You enjoyed it as well. Um, but we already have a follow-up. Uh, How I'm Feeling mm-hmm. Now uh, is her fourth studio album. It is an album that is interestingly recorded and released entirely during this quarantine period, uh, a la COVID-19. Um, so I, I guess I'll kind of start just because you mentioned I might you might be more negative on it than I am. I'm actually more negative than I think you might anticipate that I am. Um, oh, okay. So we're in competition now about who can be more negative. <laughs> well, I'm not trying to, like, shit on this thing. <laughs> um, the integrity of the podcast getting thrown out the window right there. <laughs> right. So, I, You know, um, a lot of these albums we've talked about lately, and even on this podcast... I feel like I've had this sort of like oh the first half I'm really into it and then by the by the end of the record I'm just kind of done with it and uh, it's whatever the second half it's not really captivating me. Um, mm-hmm. This to me is the opposite. I don't really get into this record all that much until Enemy, which is like literally the center point of the record. I think it's track six out of eleven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Prior to that, um, this is such a confusing record for me because. Um, seriously, like, I'm probably going to sound very rambly throughout the next 20 minutes or so, and I apologize for that, but I'm trying to figure out why I don't enjoy this record nearly as much as I like the last record, um, because it's, it's in a similar vein. The, the complaints I have about this record, I have about the previous record, kind of, but to a lesser extent, um, Charlie XCX is always hit or miss for me. As much as I loved her last record, my biggest complaint was mm-hmm. like, okay, I love this album, but it's because the songs I love love are just that fucking good. There are some duds. This is the same way, but I feel like the highs aren't as high, and the highs we yeah. do get are like, as I mentioned, mostly kind of in the second half of the record for me. Um, the songs I should like, like Pink Diamond, for example, the hard-hitting banger opener, uh, that's a song mm-hmm. I probably should like. Uh, um, I just kind of find it okay. So I'm kind of rambling. I'll let you go for a bit, but uh, how are you feeling kind of overall? 
I think that you kind of nailed it, like with the overall feeling of this. I, I kind of view this as, well, all right. First of all, on a positive note, I think it's very impressive mm. how quickly she was able to throw this together. Yes, like, agreed. This is all recorded in isolation, and like we've been in isolation for quite a while, but that's still like. I mean, what, at the most, it took her, like, two months to do this. Right. And so, it's like, about the isolation, too. Uh, that's an, an important note. Exactly. Um, and I think yeah. that's pretty cool. And that, that's an impressive thing to pull together. And and to pull together something that's not, like, just absolutely terrible <laughs> um, in that short amount of time, while also being, like, this experimental. Mm-hmm. But I think that the problem is that, like, it does feel rushed like Mm -hmm. and it's understandably because it was pulled together so quickly but i like i don't see the point of a lot of elements on this album like they seem it seems like it pulls from stylistic choices um of the previous record and just kind of provides a little more watered down versions of those pretty much all the way throughout um I think it's overall pretty forgettable. And I think that, like, lyrically, it's kind of lame at certain points. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I'm not, like, super positive about this really at all. I I think that, I think it's okay, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just think that it's kind of like, and I think it's really cool that she did this. Like, I think the the action itself speaks a lot more than the content. Because, like, it's this really cool thing that she decided to just kind of do this and give people new content to listen to while we're in isolation and show how, like, scrappy she really is. Like, it's very impressive and honestly a really nice thing to do for her fans. Um, But, like, yeah, for me, I'm kind of just, like, I mean, I didn't really need this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't. It doesn't feel. It doesn't feel like an album that's giving me. Um, it it doesn't feel like an album that's giving me anything more than what I would have expected from the last album. It's yeah. kind of leftovers. Yeah. Right. Like B sides in a way. Um. And I feel. I feel similarly to you in terms of the approach to this album. I think it's admirable that, and memorable, that this is a, an mm-hmm. album about the quarantine, how she's feeling during quarantining, um, talking about being bored, missing her friends. Like The lyrics are directly about this past two months or so, um, and the mm-hmm. record was created entirely during this period, and I think that's really cool. Um, and I think it's, as you mentioned, a great fan service to like hardcore charlie xcx fans but if i'm in the grand scheme of every album i'm listening to right now this doesn't quite match that and i think part of that is precisely because of the premise as you mentioned um it is recorded in such a short time span that it can sometimes sound like it um take two songs i just kind of want to that are on the top of my head but you could probably apply this to others um a song like Forever uh, is pretty generic to right. me and unnecessary. Uh, Party For You, is it kind of has an interesting aesthetic to it, but it's 
it's enjoyable, but it's like too long and it doesn't really like go in any interesting directions outside of the first 30 seconds. Um, yeah. So in, in when there's only 11 songs on the record, <clears throat> that adds up uh, to a record that is ultimately just all right, despite some tracks that I genuinely enjoy. And uh, one track on here that I really, really enjoy, C2.0, um, which is like everything I loved about the previous Charlie XCX record with the vocal modulation, the warped production. Uh, I love how the intro vocals become sort of a backing vocal that's laced into the beat uh, for the song's eventual primary vocals about halfway through. Really interesting take on the first click. This is like a remixed version of sorts. Um, and I, I wish there was more on this record that I could like praise to that degree. Overall, it's just it's not it's not quite there. I think it's okay overall. Yeah, I think that um, like that 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 song's a pretty good example. But like using that, like I think it, that even the highlights like that are like yeah, I, I think it's pretty cool. But it mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't like leave any lasting feeling. Like um, it's just kind of yeah. I think overall, it's just kind of forgettable. Um, and I, I will say like, conceptually, I like, like I said, the idea of how I'm feeling now being something that how I'm literally feeling in isolation, but instrumentally, I don't really get that. It's kind of like, this doesn't feel like an isolation record. This feels like, um, at times just a straight up like clubby project which is not <laughs> the antithesis of what we're supposed to be doing not not going to the club um and uh, you know that's not saying that like you can can't be in that mood while you're at home isolating like you can certainly be in a party mood still you know even by yourself that that's that's you know however you're feeling but on a personal level and taking it like just in context with like the lyricism and just the overall concept, it just doesn't fit. Mm. And I think it, it kind of makes me, it kind of makes me feel like, um, like the, the instrumentation was just kind of leftover stuff and you just kind of scrapped it together and made something that sounds familiar, but lyrically it's different. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, and then lyrically, I'm just not very impressed, really overall. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that I think that there's like, you know, it's either just very average to just kind of like lame. Like Enemy is a good example of like, um, I think it's one of the standout tracks for most people on here, and I think lyrically, it's just like it's very cringy. Mm. Um, it doesn't really convey anything, but it tries to say a lot. Uh, and I think that that's something that this album really suffers from. It's like, it's, it's kind of instrumentally and lyrically very rambly. Um, and it doesn't really convey much of an aesthetic or an overall like concept or idea that's very meaningful through all of the rambling instrumentally and lyrically. Um, which is very, very bloated. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I've never, <clears throat> excuse me, I've never particularly turned her to her lyrics as like a strong point, but, um, on, yeah. on previous output, but here I didn't write down any like lyrical moments or even song topics that kind of stood out as interesting outside of what was directly referencing, uh, quarantining. Um, one thing I've, I've been kind of wondering is the balance between rawness and like half-assedness where a record sounding raw, it's kind of two sides of the same coin where like lo-fi, not lo-fi per se, but just raw, like, um, that's kind of like a positive word, but that's also kind yeah. of like, it, it's a bit, it means you didn't fully finish the the song in in a way um and that's something yeah, I, it, it can be it can be kind of patronizing right exactly right yeah. right it, exactly it's it's like a backhanded compliment to call something raw mm -hmm. like in a super positive way and uh you know i i hate to do this thing where i because i feel like i do this a lot but i i compare directly to the previous record but i'm only doing so because i'm mainly comparing the aspect of creating an album in such a short period of time versus like a normal album release schedule um but like plenty of songs on the self-titled record uh sound fully realized and they sound like they were tweaked kind of to perfection um and there were more like interesting embellishments that were incorporated in a way that ended up working because of how they mixed and mastered and, and everything like that i think that's great here you know, it's the the things I like, the songs I like, they still sound a bit unfinished to me. Um, and that's mm -hmm. that's something I take claws, I guess, as an example. It's a wonky instrumental. It's catchy. It could have belonged on the last record, except it doesn't feel like it was properly fine-tuned at the very end. Um, and that's mm -hmm. something that keeps holding me back. The other thing I wanted to mention... While I do enjoy sonically a lot of what's happening here, um, this can sometimes sound like a less interesting version of Sophie or 100 Gex. Mm. Um, I'm not even particularly a fan of 100 Gex personally, but I definitely yeah. find their music more interesting than this record, uh, and I think it tries to do some of the same things. Um, so it is experimental, but it's not as experimental as what this record is pulling from, and it, it kind of becomes less interesting as a result. Yeah, well, that's a that's a great... Um, I mean, it's a natural comparison to use 100 Gex to this kind of instrumentation. Right. Um, but they are a good comparison because one thing I think that they have... Well, I mean, they've only got, like a very limited amount of projects. But one thing that they've done really well with that, and I think that people are really attracted to, is nailing this seemingly very overproduced sound mm -hmm. that also has a very DIY element to it. Right. Um, and, and, and that's something that they've done really well. I think that that's, um, that's something that, charlie was kind of going for on this but she it still sounds very overproduced there's not like 
there's not a lot of DIY elements to the instrumentation, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think that experimentally, it's supposed to be like very wacky and weird, and maybe that you know makes you think of some you know tinkering elements to it. But it doesn't capture that. It kind of sounds still like a professionally made studio album. I mean, there's the mixing is exactly as you know as bright and and uh, loud and forward as it was on the previous album. The instrumentation itself is pretty complex. Um, yeah, I mean, and her vocals are like mixed really well. I. It's. It, it, I think that it it tries to be DIY, but it also still sounds like you know. And that's not like a bad thing overall. If you you know have the ability to make a really professionally sounding record, that's great. But I think in context with what this is supposed to be representing, it doesn't really make sense. Mm. Um, and I think it. I think it's trying to be a little bit more like self-made than it really sounds like it is. If that makes sense, I don't want to say like Charlie XCX didn't. I don't know what all of her producers' hands in this were really, mm-hmm. but like I, I'm not trying to say like she didn't like come up with this whole thing on her own or anything like that. I'm just saying like aesthetically sounding, it it makes it. Or aesthetically, the instrumentation and the production style doesn't quite match up with what the uh, overall like message is supposed to be. If that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. And right, it's always difficult to tell like artist intent, um, but it can appear. You know, you're just you're. Uh, it it seems like it could be kind of like uh, like trying to create something like going out of your way to make something sound raw as opposed to like yeah or diy rather as opposed to like actually diy so i I don't know it's yeah it's kind of it kind of felt like it was supposed to be this like you know hey guys we're all in this together kind of thing right right um and like an album that kind of represents that feeling of like how charlie is trying to like be like hey i'm doing this with you but like it kind of like it kind of has an element still of like yeah, but I'm also like a kick ass pop artist. Mm, mm-hmm. So it doesn't it doesn't quite match up with that, you know what I mean? It's like we're we're the same but not quite really. Mm-hmm. Um but not in like a bad way, it's just instrumentally it kind of feels that way. And that's why I don't think it connects as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um no, good points. Good points. And uh, unfortunately, we need to move on soon. Um, yeah. I will say kind of as a footnote, I don't want to pretend like, oh, 100 Gex exist in this vacuum over here and Charlie XCX is just over here. They've collaborated in the past, and Dylan Brady actually produces at least one song on this album. Um, so mm-hmm. the influence is a very obvious comparison to make in, a, in that aspect as well. Um, yeah, I'll just kind of go with my overall same, like, I wish I liked this. I wish I liked this, but, but I wish I, I liked this. <laughs> I wish I liked this even close to as much as I, I loved uh, her last album. 
Um, and yeah, I think a bunch of it is the double-edged sword of the premise, which I like the premise, but the premise inherently has some limitations to it um, in terms of fine-tuning and uh, development. Um, and so I think there are some interesting ideas on here, but it doesn't always translate to great songs. I think it does maybe once or twice, but even I, I wouldn't even consider them some of her great songs over the course of her career per se. Uh, so mm -hmm. I would give this a four out of 10. And I hate to say it because I was such a fan of her last album and of her work in general. Um, but that's how I feel. Well, all right. I guess I'm not going to beat you on this <laughs> on negative uh, scoring here. Uh. We're, we're, we're pretty much at the same uh, level though. So I, I mean, I don't really have much else to say on this. I think it's admirable that she was able to pull this together as quickly as she did. And I think it's really cool that, um, that she put this out for her fans to listen to. And everybody, for the most part, seems to actually be enjoying it quite a bit. Yes, we are um, in the minority. Which, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I kind of, I wish I was more in that boat, but I just can't connect with this album. Um. Yeah, I just I think it's forgettable. I don't I, I think that it is very well intentioned, but doesn't really capture any sort of real lasting artistic vision or even just like it, it doesn't even like uh, play as fun as mm. you would hope it would be. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm at a four, too. Um but I do, this is a four that's like, oh man, like kind of disappointed that I don't like her four. Right. If you're a fan of Charlie XCX and you, for whatever reason, haven't listened to this album yet, you should probably check it out because we are in the minority on this one. Uh, people seem to really like it. Um, yeah. Her hardcore fans really seem to like it. Um, so yeah, I still give it a shot. It's just we're kind of, it's not connecting with and us, as you said. It's weird enough that, like, you know, I, I mean, right. I can see people, I, I can see why people like it, too. It's it's yes. weird and wacky and fun enough in certain ways that I can see why people like it. It just doesn't connect with me, really, at all. I agree. So with that, 4 out of 10 combined score from us. Let's move on to the final record of the day. Moses yes. Sumney with Gray. Um, Moses Sumney is a singer-songwriter based in Asheville, North Carolina, which I did not realize. Gray is his second studio album. Uh, I alluded to this during the Haley Williams intro. This album was released in multiple parts as well. Uh, most, more notably, I would say, uh, this album, the first part was released in February and the second part was released in May. Uh, this record currently has a 90 out of a hundred on Metacritic, um, People didn't even like review the first half. I kind of, I thought that was kind of interesting because it was lengthy enough to warrant a review on its own. But I think critics just kind of waited until the mm -hmm. entire project. Um, yeah, what what did you think? This is a very very solid project. Yeah, this is my favorite uh, one of the day. Yeah, nice, mm -hmm. nice. Um, yeah, I was curious to see how you felt about this. I think that, I mean, I'm kind of confused as to the reason behind this 
partial releasing trend that's mm-hmm. happening right now. I have a theory with this think... example, but go ahead. Okay. Um, I mean, it, it doesn't, I, I don't know. I think maybe it has to do with streams and just like getting a bunch of songs out there so that you can generate like a little bit more either <laughs> income or hype or whatever. Cause the attention span in the streaming era is a lot, like a lot shorter um, but I think that this, uh, instance of the partial release really pans out well because the second half of this is pretty much just as excellent as the first half of this. Um, and they sound fairly similar for the most part. Mm-hmm. I mean, the second half is a natural closer. It has a lot more, uh, lavish and slow and kind of intimate um instrumentally intimate moments to it that just kind of naturally close out the album but it's just impressive that that uh with as much that which with as much happening on this album as there is that you know two parts of it are just as listenable and replayable as the next I'm very impressed by this album, by this project. Yeah. Oh, same here. Um, I, I guess I'll start with the two part my my uh, perhaps reached uh, two parts theory, and it'll segue yeah, into kind of my overall thoughts on the record. But um, in this example, you know, in general, I don't understand why, like, say Haley Williams released this as three separate EPs. You know, I, I'm I'm still trying to figure that out here. This record, sonically, thematically, lyrically, is about multiplicity as a concept. Right. And so part of me thinks, and maybe I'm, again, overthinking or reaching or whatever, but I think releasing this record in multiple parts might tie into the multiplicity of the record somehow. Um, I'm not sure if that's the intention, but it's something that kind of came to mind. Because I was wondering that, too. Like, why not just... It's only an hour. I mean, you didn't need to make this like yeah. a, a double album or anything. Um, but the multiplicity is something that I love about... It's such a, a, a realized concept. Every aspect of the record feeds into that idea from um, yeah. the instrumentation, which is wide-ranging. You know, it goes from gosh, I don't know, like slow ballads like you mentioned, but also these sort of powerful, aggressive moments here and there. And that's not even from song to song. That can be within one song. Um, mm-hmm. The lyricism is often about Moses Sumney's multiplicity in his identity. You know, a bunch of the interludes, I guess, are more directly evidence of it, but it's often about, like, I can be this, but also this. I don't want to be put into a box. Um the album title, Gray, it's not black and white. It's somewhere in the middle. Um, everything about this record feeds into this concept. And that's why I love the album and, and its concept so much is because everything is contributing to this same idea. It's very cohesive in that regard, even if sometimes the songs don't necessarily sound like each other from one to the next. Um, but I overall, I mean, there's a few songs that don't click with me. I love it, though. Uh, um some of these songs are real stunners. 
on the first half and the second half. My God, his voice is incredible. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, sounds like multiple voices sometimes with like how different his high register and his low register sound. Um, Very beautiful, emotional, breathtaking, every, every adjective. Um, Yeah, this is, this is great. Damn, I love that uh, idea. I, I think I'm subscribing to your your oh, thank uh, you. idea about about why this is yes. why this was released the way that it was. I'll just I'll just so have that, to ask him. Does... <laughs> go go. <laughs> You'll have to watch. I'll have to ask him. I'll just shoot him a DM. <laughs> yeah. Here's my theory. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just said that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I I think that actually that that does make sense too because um, there's various moments of literal references to the multiplicity and skits and mm-hmm. you know lyrical content um, on here and I think that aesthetically it matches up with that too. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and subscribe to your idea and that makes yes. me like it even more. Yes, <laughs> the uh, the the idea of the double album. God, yes. Yeah. This, this thing is just impressive through and through. It's just like, um, I think at times it can be slightly over ambitious, mm-hmm. but, but I think that it really thrives in that too, because it reaches so high for, these um, grand moments and these intimate moments as well. It just reaches so deeply into that. Um, kind of similar to the Perfume Genius album where there's this yes. wide spectrum of sounds and ideas happening at all times on this. But I think that, I mean, there's a clear distinction, I think, in sound between the two mm-hmm. because I think that this one uh, reaches further into aggression and um, a little bit higher into just like these lavish expressions of love and you know self worth and things like that. Um, so there's just a lot of depth and uh, space in this album. That's like it's it's so explorative and interesting in that way. Um, and like you said, it's, I mean, it's 20 tracks, which is a lot, right? but it's not that long. It's only, it's only about an hour long. So, um, it really wraps this up in a, as concise of a way as it can, because it's capturing so many wide elements of basically who Moses Sumney is. Um, and I, I think that it, it really captures, um, I, I think it captures personality and it captures um, an aesthetic incredibly well. And I think that it also does this and provides some of the best tracks of the year yeah. that I've <laughs> so far with like Viral yes. and uh, like Neither Nor and Polly. I mean, there's some just straight up amazing songs on this project yeah the highs are super high on this album um and you know there's nothing out on this record that i would say is outright bad it's just maybe it might not click with me per se but 
there's a lot of care yeah. put into like every song on this record. Um, and yeah. you mentioned one of my favorites, uh, viral, viral, uh, viral. I think it's, yeah, I think it's viral or virile. I, I virile. I know that like, yeah, virile. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with virile. <laughs> There we go. That's how we're going to do it. <laughs> anyway, the idea, the, the word I'm trying to say is, a, it's like a masculine word, like a, you know, right. a, a traditionally masculine like, word. Um, like virility, basically. Exactly, correct. Yeah, same root word, yep. virile. Um, but I, I, lo- <laughs> I, I love this song because, once again, it's such a great fusion of the sonic aspects of the song and the message of the song. This is the most aggressive song on the record, um, it has some powerful, dramatic moments, especially, I love the piano. It's so intense in this song. Um, and the vocals are, mm, there's just so much behind it. Yeah. The song, the content is about rejecting the traditional idea of this like powerful masculinity and kind of embracing vulnerability. And it's, it, it's kind of like at odds with the instrumentation. And that's the point. And, and I really like that. Um, and so that's that's one of my favorite songs on here. But there are so many other songs on here too that are that are like that quality. And it's because again, like there's so much care put into the the concept of the song. I like in the second half of the record, he gets a bit existential. Uh, he starts talking about mm-hmm. like on me in twenty years. He'll say, I guess Love the topic is yeah, one of my favorites. Um, it, you know, he's wondering if he'll be alone for the rest of his life, basically. And that's like, you know, some real stuff. And I'm glad he's kind of talking about that. Um, another great part about that song, and I'm surprised you haven't even brought this up yet. A lot of One of Thrix Point never collaboration on this record. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I was going to bring that up, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, him is, uh, uh, there's a, a brief bit of Thundercat on this record too. Um, there are some artists that, help contribute in a positive way uh to the record i feel like i'm dancing around the sonics of this record because i'm not really sure how to describe this record to people if you notice in our in the introduction i didn't even put a genre i just said he's a singer songwriter um sometimes his voice reminds me of tom york sometimes it reminds me of nina simone sometimes aretha franklin it's kind of it's kind of a blend of a bunch of different things and again, it's yeah. uh, I keep harping on the multiplicity thing, but that's the point. He's not a guy you can easily put in a box. Um, so yeah, I kind of ranted, but uh, yeah, go ahead. No, that was those those were all very excellent points. Thank you. Um, I I I want to say like yeah, vocally like we talked about how Mark Hadrius you know uses his voice on Perfume Genius and I uh, in in a, in a similar way of using it in context with tracks and. Um, just overall like delivery that you know the message that you want to convey mm-hmm. but I mean Moses Sumney kind of takes it to a different level because I think that he's reaching even further into um, these highs and lows and in between areas mm-hmm. um, all over here I mean the highs are probably the most like distinct moments because he does that the most on here are just they're stunning like yeah. his falsetto yeah. oh my is god ridiculous he has such a beautiful unique vocal it's incredible yeah but then um 
but then within tracks and within words even he'll just like you know just float really effortlessly with his vocals from just high to low to aggressive to peaceful to you know intimate um it you know it 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 really captures a lot of personal uh, in sorry it captures that multiplicity that he's talking about on here Mm. in a very memorable way because it is his voice um and i think his voice the instrumentation is fantastic but i think his voice is the biggest um yes standout thing on this album uh it's really easy to get wrapped up in like the weird lyricism um and the interesting and uh and you know at times like grand instrumentation but his voice is incredible and it's and it not only is just like a stunning voice it's something that captures who he is as a person and i think that it the delivery that he gives on this album um is like pretty much perfect because i get exactly what he's trying to convey through everything it's clear it's concise it, yeah that's that's my that's my take on this i think that yeah yeah no great point and if if we want to rehash our voice as an instrument point now's a good time to do it um yeah exactly yeah it's like his voice can be all over the place sometimes but in a way that works uh it can be so falsetto that it's a bit off-putting but then transition into like a more traditionally smooth melody um like in an instant um yeah and he does that throughout the record you never really know what you're getting uh which is really helped make this an exciting listen especially the first time i listened to it um but uh yeah i I mean i just keep going back i I will kind of mention a a couple negatives because i feel like i'm fawning over the record and i'm sounding like it's album of the year um but you know i will say like i mentioned not every song super clicks with me and maybe it will over time but something like uh the song keeps me alive which i love i actually wrote down like the entire first verse as like a lyric takeaway that i really love um musically i'm not quite there yet uh gagarin i really admire like the experiment like the approach to this song it's it's a very distinct track in the in the track list here but it doesn't quite work for me the other negative i do want to point out and you alluded to it but uh there are 20 songs on the record and it's an hour five minutes i think that i'm not saying it's too long the reason it's 20 songs and only that time length is because there are i think six interludes on the record yeah um i don't i i guess i hmm, I have a frustrating, complicated relationship with interludes, but especially with interludes that I feel like are preaching to me. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I feel like um, I'm being told a bunch of ideas in the interludes that I was already getting from songs in ways that are more musically interesting. Um, you know, like, if you want to say something, that's fine, but the amount of just direct here's the message um yeah i i much prefer it conveyed in a way that is i guess more artistic and more enjoyable musically 
Um, and I, I just think it does that way too many times. So. I, I agree with you for the most part, um, on that. And I actually enjoy the, the, I enjoy the aesthetics of the instrument or sorry, the interludes Mm. for the most part. I think that's captured pretty well, but I agree with you on the, um, uh, the delivery of them is kind of obvious. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the explaining the joke in case you didn't get it. Right, right, thing. exactly. And I'm like, yeah, it was a hilarious joke. I understood that, you know, you didn't need to, this, that's like the, the, the comparison there, right? Like this is an excellent track um, or an excellent stretch of tracks, right? That are just, they, are clear they they're also complex but they get the message across and then you got somebody that's like um explaining like oh this album is about themes of isolation right or you know like uh, things like that it's like oh okay um i don't think it's like they're not bad they don't take away really too much from the album because i think that you know aesthetically they they match up pretty well Mm -hmm. But I agree with you, actually, which is funny because usually I'm a uh, a defender of interludes. I usually really like interludes, but I think it's just there's too many on here. Mm-hmm. I actually think and if the, they were instrumental of, interludes, I would like them more. I would think um, in this yeah, case, but. I would I would prefer that. I, I just I I don't think that they all need to. Uh, it, they don't all warrant an explanation of uh, or a. a, a repeating of like hey this is what this is what you're supposed to be getting from this album by the way right and, and to your point i do like uh musically these types i i guess the example i'll use um for both the positive and the negative here is conveyor going into boxes boxes being the interlude yeah. conveyor being i i think there's a nice seamless transition that you don't even notice it's now the interlude part of the song or, or the next track technically and i like that but right. the boxes, you know, the, the lyrics are about, you know, being placed into boxes categorically. Again, a message I totally appreciate. Um, but Conveyor was just already about that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I got, like, Conveyor, like, like you're on a conveyor belt as if you're on a manufacturing line going through the same process as everyone else and being put into the same box at the very end of the, you know, I already got that theme. And it was done in a way that was musically engaging. If not, you know, it's not one of my favorite songs, but I enjoyed it. Boxes just kind of felt like overkill. Um, yeah. So there you I, go. I think, yeah, like that's a good example. Um, but I, like, I like the content even of like yes. boxes. Too. Yes. Like I like, I, I, I really like the content and I like the, uh, the like the wording of it is very poetic and um impactful but yeah it just kind of i i agree with you i think that it 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 feels a little bit i think it might just be because of like where it comes in the track list maybe Mm -hmm. you know like putting it directly after a song that's exactly about the same thing is like yeah you're right a little overkill a little bit like Oh, in case you didn't get it, here's 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 what that song was just about, right? Um, but it's hard to complain because, like, 
the interludes on their own, like if I'm if I was just taking them, like they're pretty good. They're pretty good right. interludes. It's just it's just they're not necessary because the messaging is captured so well in the song itself. So, uh, I, yeah, I think we're we're weirdly in agreement on interludes. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I. I think I've talked about them so much that it might suggest that they're a bigger hindrance than they actually are. I mean, this album isn't like all oh, the interludes ruin the album. Like it's just like kind of a, yeah. like a minor thing. Um, but yeah, it's not like how some people complain about like college dropout or something. They, <laughs> right. You know, it's not replayable because of all the skits or something. Right. Right. Um, no, I, I agree. And, um, we're kind of running out of time here. Uh, so before the podcast cuts yeah. us off, I'll go ahead and just say great album. Uh, if you want to call this your album of the year, it, I'm totally like, sure. Why not? No, no arguments. It's not my album of the year, but it has that album of the year quality to it. Um, it's very impressive. It's massive in a lot of ways, but also very intimate. Um, again, it's this like it, it exists in both planes because it's, the multiplicity aspect of the record. It's a very dynamic record in that aspect. Um, and yeah, so many like songs that I'll listen to as pure highlights for the rest of the year, like cut me virile and neither nor, um, being like some of my absolute favorites, me in 20 years, mm -hmm. uh, color. I really like as well. Um, I could keep going, but, um, great album. It's, it's a high eight out of 10, but not quite a nine. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I agree. There's some amazing songs on here. Um, and I think overall, just the messaging of this album is important and captured very artistically and just very, en it's very engaging as well. It makes you want to learn more about who Moses Sumney is as an artist. It makes you want to dive deeper into the, um, the lyrical choices and the instrumental choices. Um, you know, and the, we talked about our negatives on the interludes. One positive aspect I'll give on that is that like the interludes are interesting enough. And if you're listening through on your first time, it does give you like, a, a quick little like hey since you know you you didn't catch the lyrics right away or in case you didn't catch the lyrics right away here's what this is about so i will say in that aspect it gives you like a little bit of like a, a of a break in your first couple listens mm. um to kind of digest like everything that's going on because this thing is complex and stretches very far across all sorts of different spectrums of music and identity and um, yeah, just all sorts of concepts. So it, uh, it, it takes a lot of just digestion, but it's so worth it. I think this project is great. Um, it's a little over ambitious, but like I'm mm. super happy that Moses Sumney has this amount of ambition in him because it, it really <laughs> comes out with some, uh, something pretty fantastic. So, yeah, I'm a very solid 8 out of 10 on this as well, and it's continued listens for me for sure. There you go. Another 8. Uh, that averages to an 8. Just a brief, brief recap before we go. Haley Williams, Pedals for Armor. We were at a 4.5 uh, 
no, five and a half. Five and a half. Five and a yeah. half. Uh, Perfume Genius set my heart on fire immediately. We're at a seven and a half. Uh, Charlie XCX, how I'm feeling now. We're feeling a four on it now. And Moses Sumney Gray, uh, eight out of ten. Um, our biggest recommendation of the day. Thank you for joining me. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, so we have to go. But uh, I hope you all enjoy these records. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. Thank you for joining me, Patrick. Um, yes. Until next time, bye.